Iraq is once again at a very critical time in its economic and political history, according to the head of the International Energy Agency. However, the window of opportunity is shrinking. You are listening to the Business Extra podcast, coming once again from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Arawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is Mina Alarebi, the Nationals Editor-in-Chief. Hi, Mina. Hi, Mustafa. Good to have you here in the studio. Yes, it is good to physically be in the studio despite gloves and masks and sanitization and sitting very far away from you, but it is good to be in the studio. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we're, we're going to talk about Iraq because you interviewed Dr. Fatih Birol, the executive director of the International Energy Agency, and he was speaking shortly after the agency hosted together with the Iraqi government a high-level roundtable that discussed a number of issues related to the diversification and reform of the country's economy and a number of issues. So it was really good timing that you kind of spoke to him straight after that. It was very good timing to speak to Dr. Birol. The International Energy Agency has been, in one way or the other, working with Iraq since 2012. And as you said, the meeting, while focused on the energy industry and the energy sector, it really is about the future of Iraq's economy. At the moment, we don't actually have markets in Iraq that are functional. It really is based on revenues from the oil to pay uh, largely public sector workers and do what little uh, you know, day-to-day activity the government can do. There is no investment in Iraq today because of the economic crisis, but also the political dysfunction and all the ills that have been plaguing Iraq, unfortunately, for decades. So the role of the energy sector now is to help diversify the economy. The conversation that the International Energy Agency and the conversations that are being had by the Iraqi government is around diversification, petrochemicals, what can we do with gas, electricity, and so forth. And of course, a big, big part of that is oil. Iraq is known to have some of the highest quality oil that is good value for money, extraction is not as expensive as other parts of the world, and yet that oil is still not bringing back the revenues that it should because of, again, years-old problems um, to do with contracts, to do with the investment environment in the country, and so forth. The new government of Mustafa al-Kadhimi that has been in place now for about two months has said that their priority is structural reforms for the economy, structural reforms in the energy sector. This comes at a time that, of course, the world is facing a global pandemic and the economic outlook globally is glib. To try to attract investments today is difficult for any country, but especially a country like Iraq that doesn't have the legal framework that can pull people forward. And one of the most interesting things that Dr. Barol said in his interview with me is that they want to help the hand of the reformers. And that includes Ali Alawi, who's, of course, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Mustafa Al-Kadhimi, who has a big reform agenda. And Dr. Birol also said that there is political resistance and it's important for international players, it's important for the private sector to kind of say, we can't, we can't get involved if that political resistance isn't pulled away. And, you know, one of the things that happens in Iraq, and this happens, unfortunately, in other countries, is that suddenly you have committees being formed and roadblocks being set up because they either want to pay uh, or they either want to, a cut in any contract that's signed or they want to make sure that certain groups can have 
representation on any employment and so forth. So how do you push back against that? So, uh, I mean, he, Dr. Virol was realistic about the challenges, but also he was kind of optimistic. And to your point about the investment, let's hear a little bit about what he said is perhaps the most pressing issue, which is getting that investment in and why we need to get it. Let's hear that now. And therefore, the issue is here uh, to come up uh, with a simple but appropriate framework to get investments in Iraq uh, from uh, private sectors. And I can tell you that the, the companies yesterday, the major companies around the world, the big companies, they are ready to come. They are ready to invest. And they are not ready to invest because they are, as we said, they are because of the beautiful eyes of the Iraqi people. They are ready to invest because they know that there is a very important opportunity for them to make good business. That was the IEA's Fatih Birol talking to uh, Mina Al-Arabi, the National's Editor-in-Chief, about private sector interest in Iraq. Uh, Mina, uh, I, I think he... He touched upon a number of issues uh, when he spoke to you. Um, and as you were saying a little bit earlier before we played that clip, uh, this is a reformist government or a government with the intention to reform. And Dr. Birol was saying that, you know, the, if the government is decisive and acts quickly, a lot could happen quite fast within six months to a year. And one example was about gas flaring. Now, that's Iraq's been flaring off its gas, a byproduct of oil production, but this costs billions in lost revenue as they're trying to diversify from a reliance on oil revenues and also damages the environment. And Dr. Birol said that if the Iraqi government acted on it, it could quite quickly stop this gas flowing, which has a whole other number of consequences that could be positive. You're absolutely right. One of the conundrums about Iraq's energy sector is that there is low-hanging fruit that is just ignored. And so for any rational human being, you don't have to be an energy expert to understand this, that you have gas that Iraq imports and yet produces and burns. So rather than importing gas, which they do from Iran, at times at five times the market price, while also damaging the environment, there have been multiple medical reports about the impact it's having on the health of the people of Iraq, specifically um, in the areas with this gas flaring that's going on. So why isn't it being solved? It's a political decision. And it's not just up to the government. I mean, the reality is parliament gets involved, different political groups get involved. With gas flaring, there is a report that indicates that Iraq could save a billion dollars a year, billion dollars a year, if it stopped gas flaring. And imagine how much it could invest if it actually went ahead and did, you know, uh, the petrochemical plant Nebras. This is a major project that even Saudi Aramco and Sabic were considering investing in. Shell was also looking into it. If Nebras petrochemical plant happened, you would have thousands of job opportunities being created. You would be making money. You would be dealing with the environmental consequences of gas flaring. So as Dr. Birol said in his interview, this is not rocket science. Many, many countries are doing this. Why isn't Iraq doing it? As you said, a political decision you to wean itself off the imported gas and electricity from Iran, which I think many, many observers would say is, is probably a good thing in the short run and the long run. The political problem you have is that Iraq already has a deficit in terms of power and electricity. And if you cut yourselves off 
from from that supply of Iran? What's the alternative? How do you fill that vacuum? Well, I mean, one is to generate it ourselves. Uh, Dr. Birol, in the interview, uh, made the point that half of Iraq's capacity is not utilized in electricity generation. And that is because a lack of maintenance of certain power stations and because of these neighborhood generators um, that people make money. There are, there are entire mafias now based on these neighborhood generators. Uh, Iraq at the moment is dealing with 52, 53 degrees Celsius heat, um, where people are literally dying from heat. But at the same time, there are millionaires being created through these neighborhood generations, uh, generators and other, other groupings. And so the other alternative, of course, is political. And this is the consortium almost of the GCC countries, the United States and Iraq. So there is a joint project. Um, and the United States actually just put out a statement on the 16th of July saying that the Gulf Corporation Council Interconnection Authority project, which is basically to connect the electricity grids of Iraq and the GCC, is one that the United States supports. There are companies like Bechtel that are involved in this. And if it did happen, it would provide the much needed electricity to the people of Iraq and support Iraq's um, economic development. No private sector can can rise up in Iraq on a scalable level without electricity. And so you have this project, it's there, but it's also a political project. And so you have those who support uh, the notion that Iraq should be only allied with Iran are against this project and have tried to put all sorts of problems um, in the works, not to see this realized. But it could actually create a real dynamic, as we saw in Europe after the Second World War, where energy or mutual interest can create a dynamic that leads to a flourishing political environment, which we would hope for Iraq in the region. We would. And 2020 has not been easy for Iraq uh, on the political front. It's not been easy on the economic front for many countries around the world. We have the pandemic now. But it, I, I find it interesting that the IEA is an intergovernmental organization. It's based in Paris. It's, it's kind of uh, almost an independent broker, if you like, um, is 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 saying these positive things, saying investors are ready to go in. If the government acts quickly, then uh, changes can be made. So, I mean, we see that horizon. It's there. There's a lot of positivity. But the window of opportunity will not remain open forever. I mean, we have, what, at best a year maybe for these things to happen? Not even a year. Um, people on the ground in Iraq are very frustrated. We've seen protests on and off since October. The security environment is actually getting worse because this government is targeting vested interests, deep, deep vested interests. They're lashing out. And so every time the prime minister or the government appoints somebody who's known to be non-corruptible in a particular position and removes a corrupt official, and we're, we're talking about on a bureaucratic level, but is that is hugely important, you get pushback on the streets. You get kidnappings and you get rocket fire on bases because that's the language, unfortunately, that some of these groups uh, speak to, only violence. And so the window of opportunity is very, very tight. And, and because the economic situation is so difficult, the Iraqi government needs investment now. And one of the things Dr. Birol says in the interview is that you could create a snowball environment. And if only there could be snow in Iraq's <laughs> difficult heat at the moment, uh, heated summers at the moment. But the snowball effect is if you could say we've got this major investment 
It is an investment in Iraq. Now, one of the things that does leave a positive sentiment is Iraq has so much potential, still untapped to 17 years from the fall of Saddam Hussein's regime. It is still untapped. And people who went in early in 2003 really made millions upon millions of dollars. So there's a lot of money there to be made. There is a market to be explored. And Iraq's strategic position um, would allow it to be a success story quite easily, again, given the political will and given external investment. But the Iraqi government's out of money, so they're going to need external investment. And that's why the IEA's involvement is so important, because that gives almost uh, a sense of confidence in this government to say that things can be done there and to try to attract some of these big uh, energy players into the country. I mean, the dr- that dream you're talking about from 2003 of a stable, prosperous Iraq, sort of a bulwark for the whole region. I mean, it's amazing that, okay, it's been 17 years, but it's still not impossible. I mean, you look at what's happening in Syria next door, you look at what's happening in Lebanon, and you almost feel like they're lost causes. But yet, you know, Iraq could still could still turn around. I don't think any country is a lost cause. So I disagree with you on that point. But I do agree with you that Iraq has so much potential, can be turned around. And, you know, one of the key points to think about when we think about Iraq's energy sector is how rich Iraq is in resource, not only when it comes to its uh, oil and the type of oil that the country has, but also the fact that it has other natural resources, um, importantly, agricultural lands. You know, if you could get investment into Iraq's agriculture, it could actually be self-sufficient and export. Uh, this is another side, this is another sector that requires attention, but would probably take longer. The point about the energy sector is that it could save Iraq money quite quickly. And as the, as Dr. Beryl said in the interview, you're talking about six months to a year where gas flaring significantly reduced. And thus you'd see a real turnaround in the sector. Uh, Mina Al-Arabi, the Nationals Editor-in-Chief, thanks so much for being with us. You can read her full interview with the IEA's uh, Fatih Birol on thenational.ae. Mina, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Before we finish, here are the other stories you need to know about on thenational.ae. Gold prices hit a record high as the US dollar plunged and concerns about the global economy boosted demand for the yellow metal. Global ports operator DP World said it agreed to acquire a 60% share in South Korea's Unico Logistics. And a groundswell of interest from investors is pushing companies to create more welcoming workplaces for employees with disabilities. That's it for today. If you have any questions or comments, please email malrawi at thenational.ae. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe or leave a review. All that remains to thank Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan for producing this episode. And you all for listening. Join us again next time. Thank you.